Galatians chapter 1 and uh, verse 11, Paul is being autobiographical here. He's telling us a little bit of his background and his story. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any human source, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went to Arabia and later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother, I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Father, we pray that your word, written then, there, to them, would speak by your spirit to us here, now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's a little phrase that bugs me. Every time I hear it, I've uh, shared this to um, one or two of you, so you, you may not be too surprised to hear it. But we, you, we hear it all the time. I might show for a little sort of show of hands, ask for a little show of hands of who has either used this phrase or you, you've heard it used. Back to normal. I'll put it in context, you know, things are getting back to normal. When things get back to normal, it's looking like things are getting back to normal. Have we heard that phrase? Look at that around the room, pretty much all of us. It's on news feeds and news reports. It's a government thing, you know, we're working hard with the pandemic vaccine and so on so that we can get back to normal. Back to normal. I mean, just think about it for a moment. Unless you're a time lord, we can't go back. We only live, life can be learned backwards, but it's lived forwards. We don't go back to normal. What's, what is normal? I, I was struck um, as we're working our way through Galatians, so we, we want the text to speak to us. We want to be shaped by what scripture we believe. We have a high value on the fact that God knew what he was doing when he ordered men and women paupers and princes and uh, everyone in between to put together these books, 66 of them, all together in what we know as the Bible. And uh, it speaks today in in an extraordinary way. So we pay attention to it. We give it authority in our lives. What are you saying to us today, Lord? I was so struck as I came across this, as I read and reread Paul's um, little 
testimony here, his story, it, it sounds to me like he's resolutely not going back to normal. He wants you to know he's not going back to normal having encountered Jesus Christ. You see it there at the end of verse 12. I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. I did not receive it from any human source, nor was I taught it. It was not of human origin. He stresses the fact. You see, normal for Saul, a, uh, and he, he talks about it, he was zealous. Uh, he was advancing in Judaism, learning, zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And how would a zealous Jew have learnt and schooled himself in those days? Well, primarily two ways. You, you read up, you, you read your Torah and your law, and then you followed a, a, a master in the law who would show you how to put what you'd learnt into practice. So you attached yourself to a, a rabbi, you attached yourself to an elder, to someone experienced, and you would literally follow them everywhere. You'd go with them everywhere. And you would see how they apply the law in sort of rational knowledge, if you like, into practical everyday living. So we, we see that with James, who, who, who uh, led the, and we, we looked at that letter earlier on uh, in our church year, how he led the church in Jerusalem. He would have led converted Jews. And he's, he's all about faith and works. Faith and works. It, it's the kind of rabbinic tradition. So, so, so normal for Paul would have been, oh, here's a new way of thinking. Here's a new set of doctrines. Here's a new religion. I need to study it. I need to find someone that I can walk alongside and, and, and learn from. That would be normal for Saul. I've encountered Jesus Christ. What does this mean? What does this look like? How will I live? I want you to know, brothers and sisters. He wants us to know that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any human source, nor was I taught it. I did not go back to normal in becoming a preacher to the Gentiles, which is how he terms himself on two or three occasions in this letter. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Notice, by the way, in verses well, 15 and 16, the delicious verses in the middle of this story, but when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, just a little aside, but I'm just taken by that preposition. Don't, don't we usually, when things are revealed, aren't they usually revealed to us? Oh, someone revealed that to me. That has been revealed to me. Paul deliberately says here, but when God who set me apart from earth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me. This is again a, a different, you see, he doesn't take a text and then seek to, to have the, the, the truth of the text be explained to him so it's revealed to him from outside. No, this is a different revelation. God has revealed his son, Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, risen, ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father. God has revealed this in Paul. It's an altogether different, new revelation he's not going back to normal the heat of the building is unsticking my <laughs> my invisible actors tape or whatever it's called different kind of revelation 
Now, listen, I understand. I, I've, I've thought about this phrase, back to normal, and, I, and I've used it myself. Can I just say? I said, oh, I can't wait. I've found myself thinking, or if I haven't, if I've caught myself from saying it, I've certainly thought it. Oh, when we're back to normal. And I've thought, okay, what, what am I saying here? Because I can't go back in time, and what is normal? So what am I actually saying? What are we saying? What's, what's understood culturally when we hear that phrase? And, and I, think, I think it's this. This is good for discussion in life groups, isn't it? Uh, Tuesday night or whenever you meet. What are we actually, what is meant when it's said back to normal? And I think it's, it's just we've been living in limbo. We, we've been shaken, every single one of us, to different degrees, to different extents. And we've been shaken by the fact that everyone else has been shaken. Often we, we go through a trauma, but other people are stable, so we cling to them. But no, now everyone else is in trauma. Everyone else is shaken, so we don't know where to go. That has been deeply unsettling. Let's be honest, we're weary. Some of us are exhausted. When will this end? And all we can remember in, in the midst of this turmoil is, is, is when it wasn't like that. We haven't got a future yet. We can only imagine or hope for a future. So we remember the past. So we want to go back to when it was normal. But Paul was in the same boat. You see, his world has been turned upside down by the encounter with Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. And, and now he, he's got to reconfigure everything. He was, he was head boy. He was, kind of, he was top of the class. He knew more than everyone else. He was advancing beyond all those of his same age. He was right out there. He's got to undo the whole piece and work out what it is to live for Jesus Christ in the day by day. And that is exhausting. That's wearying. But when you, when you read Paul, I'll just turn you two references, but there are so many. When he refers to this gospel, this, this revelation of good news in him through the grace of God. This is Romans chapter one. Again, early on, he, he leads with this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. The righteous will live by faith in God. Not in their own wits or strength or energies. Look what he says to the Corinthians. These intelligent, it's sort of the intelligentsia in Greece. When I came to you, I came in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power energy so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power I'm not ashamed of the gospel it's the power of God my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words that would win you over no my preaching was with the spirit and his power how do we have the energy to to imagine and create the future into which God is calling us when we're so tempted to go back to normal. It's as we lean into the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we look for what God is revealing in us, his power and his energy when we are tempted to feel weak and weary. We lean all the more into Jesus and trust that he will do what we simply can't do.
I just remember a couple of years ago, I think, and you, you can check, watch it on YouTube. I can't remember what you search. I, I guess it's sort of cyclist um, slipstreaming fast van. Um, uh, and it's a, it's a guy on a pedal bike, and he's going at 90 kilometers an hour because he's, he's tucked in right behind a juggernaut that is also going at 90 miles an hour, and he's just caught up in the slipstream. There's no way in his own strength that a cyclist can cycle at 90 kilometers an hour. But when you slipstream something bigger than you that is going at 90 miles an hour, then you can go at that speed too. Uh, there's several, don't try it at home, but um, you can watch it on YouTube, and um, it's extraordinary. There's a car that overtakes this happening, and, you, and then it goes to the film in the, 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 the juggernaut and the bike, and then goes to the speedo, and you see they're going at 90, 100 miles an hour. The, the, the call is to, when we, we can't do it in our own strength, and so we'll go, oh, I don't want to go back to normal. But if we slipstream Jesus, then, then we live in his power, his energy, his creativity, his timing. And we find, miraculously, it's not us, it's him in us. And collectively, we bring that message to a weary world that's longing to go back to normal. Please, God, we don't go back to normal. I, I, I come on at the end just to reflect on what normal looked like for the poor and the marginalised for those with different coloured skin from the, the majority, or for those who suddenly discovered afresh that they did not have the, the privilege of power. Normal is not an attractive thing, or a hopeful thing, or a good thing, or a just thing for so many people in our nation and across our world. Let's not go back to normal. We are the people of God called by the power of the gospel of God to create a new mindset. So, so what is that mindset? Why are we studying Galatians? And I, and I, I want to suggest, I don't, I'm not sure this is the best alternative, but it's an alternative for, for how we might reframe our thinking as we come out of restriction, as we come out of our own encounter with disruption, like Paul had in meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. You see, the Galatians are being tempted by back to normal people to root their newfound experience in the traditions of the past. Bully, you, you couldn't give me a new bit of tape. It's in the. <laughs> it's in the. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm struggling. Um, yeah, so, so, uh, so they are learning to walk by the Spirit. They've got no idea what that looks like. They're learning to lean into God. And. Um, and yet the Judaizers are saying, no, no, what we used to do was we used to circumcise all males on the eighth day. We used to have feasts and religious um, festivals. Thank you so much, that's great. There we go. Cool. And I'll have a good wax on the side of my cheek as well. <laughs> um, so, so we used to, yeah, feasts and festivals and holy days. So let's do that as well. We, we won't eat that, but we will eat that. Uh, will regulate and marshal, will create a human religious tradition. And Paul says, no, no, no. You foolish Galatians, he says. You're, you're being sucked into going back to normal when there is a new pattern of living that you were being called into living out and, and modeling for the rest of the world. So instead of back to normal, can I, can I suggest with what Paul 
says to the Romans, in a renewing of our minds. Can I suggest this framework? And, and if this isn't good enough, and it probably isn't, then use it as a sort of springboard to your own fresh, innovative thinking. When you look at Paul, I think what he's saying, effectively, if we read between the lines, he's saying, in one sense, nothing's changed. And in another, everything has changed. Nothing has changed and everything has changed. And God invites us to live in the tension of that. Nothing's changed and everything's changed. Here's the nothing's changed. How does Paul describe himself? You've heard of my previous way of life in Judah, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. There it is. He intensely sought something until it was done. He's a completer finisher. He's a man with a vision. He's a man with a goal. He's zealous. I want to be top of the class. I was extremely zealous, he said, for the traditions of my fathers. I, I, I want to eradicate this new Christian faith. He's, he's determined. He's focused. He's driven. He's alpha male. As Saul. When you read some of his letters, read this Galatians letter. He's, nothing's changed. He's a zealous missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's determined, you guys do the Jews. No, no, that's not me now. I'm going to the Gentiles. I will plant churches. I will just, I will preach. I will argue. I will remonstrate. I'll do whatever it takes. I've become all things to all men that by all possible means I might save some. How determined, how zealous, how focused is that? Nothing's changed. Saul, Paul, nothing's changed. Goal-focused, driven. But at the same time, everything has changed. I didn't want you to miss out on the visual aid from this morning. We have a sort of all ages and stages, so it's a much shorter talk with a sort of visual component. And so here you are looking at me kind of in my, in my, my, my tailored chinos and my, my jacket and my dog collar, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, poor Tim. He probably had a decent life ahead of him, and he's just been sort of boxed into the Church of England. He's squashed into the kind of the uniform. Roll him out on a Sunday. He's invisible six days of the week, incomprehensible on the seventh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor Tim. And you look, you, look at the, you look at the image and the dog collar and you, you, with the collar you make the associations and you've got no idea. <laughs> the reason why my tape isn't sticking is because I'm sweating like a pig because I've been wearing the weed layers. This is my assembly shirt. Now here's the thing. I've been wearing this all day. You didn't know. Nothing had changed. And now I've revealed this to you. Everything's changed. You now know and you cannot undo the knowledge that I've got an assembly church, uh, shirt with multicolored frogs. You, you, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't undo that knowledge. All you can do is propagate it to those who weren't here. Do you know what Tim was wearing on Sunday? Nothing's changed, but everything's changed. The everything's changed. Look at it here. Paul talks about it. But, it's a beautiful word in the Bible. <laughs> There's nearly always bad news. We're going, we're going to hell, literally. But God in his grace. What is it here? But when God, who set me apart from birth. By the way, that's interesting, isn't it? This is Paul, who was looking to destroy the Christian church, acknowledging 
but part of the revelation, what he's realized is that God had set him apart from birth. So even while he's trying to destroy the church, God has all along, he's kind of known how he's made Saul to become Paul. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Wait. Let's, let's be rational. Let's be sensible. Let's be logical. Let's be strategic. Here is this, here's this zealous, driven, focused guy who's really well-schooled in Judaism. Here is Jesus who's come amongst the Jews and many of his own people haven't recognized them. John 1, the prologue, read at Christmas. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Surely the missional job, you being head boy of the, of the Jews, is to go to the Jews with all your drive and zeal and persuade them. Am I wrong? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Well, it makes about as much sense as going back to normal, I would want to argue. Because it's not about sense or rationality over and above the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. This revelation has changed everything. So with all his knowledge notwithstanding, he, 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 the revelation in him he recognizes as a call to the Gentiles. So he says to James and to the guys at Jerusalem, you guys, you go for the Jews, but I'm going to go for the, for the Gentiles. Think about that for a moment. Culturally, the Gentiles were the anathema to the Jews. They, they were the enemy in, in every sense. Theologically, they were outcasts. They were outsiders. They were not included in the blessings of God. They did not count. Pious Jews prayed thanking God that they were not born Gentile. Think about how deeply that is sown in Paul. And yet the power of the gospel working in him enables him to completely change his mindset and to embrace Gentiles with the good news of Jesus Christ. With energy, with passion. Not his, the Corinthian passion. I came with weakness. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work. But with your energy working in me, I will go to the very people I was schooled to dismiss. That's our God. I think he does that kind of thing so we don't think it's about us. Which is, you know, another good idea, another great strategy. Nothing's changed. Everything's changed. And, and as for... But that's why you, you, you see again in um, uh, verse 17. I did not go... Um, oh, sorry, the end of verse 16. He revealed my son that I may preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I'd, that's what you would do. That's what a, 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 an aspiring rabbi would, would do. Would find a senior, attach himself to it. I would consult a human being. No, I'm not going back to normal. My immediate response was not to go back to normal. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. Hey guys, is it okay if I can become one of you? Will you affirm me? Will you accept me? No. Revelation of God in him. And that's the power, that's the energy, that's the vision, that's the drive, that's the prophetic edge that Paul had to, to plant and nurture and grow these churches which would overturn 
the known world then. I, I, know, I know we're weary. I'm not denying physically, emotionally, mentally. It, it has been a really tiring time. I, I hear some of the stories of, and I, I don't know how, um, I mean, you know, those with school-aged children, the, the homeschooling, whilst also trying to do your own job and work and hold life together and make sense, I don't know how. In one sense, I, I think, well, all the more, Lord, I, we need you. And as you reveal more and more yourself in us, that we will be the good news to today's Gentiles, to those who are hungry for your word, hungry for your life. Nothing's changed and everything's changed. Nothing's changed in that you, you, you're wearing the clothes that you were maybe wearing, some, or even your wardrobe, you've got the clothes that you perhaps had in your wardrobe before the pandemic struck. You, you're maybe in the same line of work. You're probably living maybe in the same place. You have the same friends. You're, those of you who have been here a few years, you're coming to the same church. You live in the same city. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And yet, through this pandemic, everything has changed. It's shifted our worldview. It's shifted our perspective. It's shifted the perspectives of others. People are now demonstrating because they recognize they have the power when they get on the streets or through social media. I mean, for good or ill, whether they're going about it in ways that we might go about it, but nevertheless, there's been shifts in the way in which people express themselves. There's been shifts in our understanding. I was challenged to go and look at all the books in my little mini library of theology books next door and how many of them were written by black theologians. No, 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 no. I'm ashamed to say I think most of my theology that has shaped me has been written by white people. Now, that's not to say I get rid of the whole of my library, but wait, what a blind spot have I got? And I hadn't even seen that until last year. And the George Floyd thing kicked off many things in many people, but for me, wow, where else am I blinkered? If I'm blinkered there, where else might I be blinkered? What else have I missed? Why do I want to go back to normal? I need the power of God in me. The good news, the gospel that, that saves me, that brings me into relationship with God and his people and his creation and his world in order prophetically to roll out a new way of living. That was Paul. That's what it is with us. Nothing's changed. God's word, God's spirit, God's promises, God's heart for his people, God's character has not changed. But the way in which he demonstrates his heart, his character, his love for his people has. Can I ask you, if you work in or are associated in any way in, in education, could I ask you to stand just where you are? Don't, I'm not, I don't mean to embarrass you, I'm going to ask other people to stand. But just if you're, you're involved in education, bless you. If you're involved in healthcare in any way, I'm, I'm, I'm coming into land, maybe the band can get themselves ready, we're going to slide into ministry as we, as we stand with these people and pray. 
If you're involved in, in government administration, civil service, local government, maybe national government, behind the scenes advising, God bless you. Or in the charitable sector, the tertiary sector, in some way, shape or form. You're involved in finance or business. I love it, one of our, as I said finance and business, our youth stood up, but um, to get to the camera, sorry, thanks, I didn't realise that. I was thinking, wow, that's, that's kind of, <laughs> love that. In the arts, in media, oh wow, look at these power bases, these influencers. Now the wonderful thing is that the rest of you, those of you who are seated, um, you're, you're kind of, you're here praying for these guys here. And just as we stand, and then why don't we all stand to join with them? You may not be in paid employment, you still have an impact in uh, the communities and the people you mix with and you mingle with as you bring the good news of Jesus Christ to bear in the lives of those around you.